Welcome to Boise Song Talk. I'm James Coberly Smith. Give me just a second to set this guitar down, if you would, please. Thank you. Songs. What we're going to be doing on Boise Song Talk is we're going to be speaking with a number of the great local songwriters about how they write their songs. Now, they're all great live performers, and I encourage you to go out and see their live shows. However, we will not be emphasizing performance on this show. Instead, we'll be speaking with them about how they write their songs. Now, let's go over and meet tonight's special guest, Steve Eaton. Yes, sir, Steve Eaton, my friend. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> Good to have you. All right, I'm gonna run by a few facts and figures here. Maybe my facts will be a little off. Maybe my chronology will be a little off, but I'm going to throw some at you anyway. Somewhere around 1970, you went to L.A. with a band called Fat Chance. You signed an album deal with RCA Records after your Troubadour show. You then toured with that band with Yes. Then you were signed by Capitol Records as a solo artist, and you did your great album, Hey Mr. Dreamer. You had songs covered by The Carpenters, Righteous Brothers, Art Garfunkel, Glenn Campbell, and many others. You played as a member of Paul Revere and the Raiders. You produced your own independent albums. You scored music for films and videos you received two Emmy nominations for excellent work on PBS. You created commercials for businesses. And as if that weren't enough, you founded Idaho Songwriters Association. And you know what? I also just won the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. I was, good. I was about to say that. You can't be interrupting me. Well, I tell you, you have been placed and you have done things. I, my question for you, first question is that, um, you know, Steve, some people are great singers, some are great musicians, some are great producers, some are great people at uh, doing scores for film. You've been great at all of those things. And I wondered, when you were a young kid, was it evident this gift you had? Um. Well, I was came from a musical family, and so I was, you know, influenced by my parents, who were both opera singers. Really? And uh, so, yeah, I was. I mean, I, I, uh, I was. It was all environmental for me. I mean, I just right out of the shoot, I was like, rock, I was rocking out. So, so you, had, they were both opera singers. Yes. Wow. There'd be a lot of music around the house. Well, yeah, we. <clears throat> I grew up with Mary Alonza and the great Caruso and. Oh, and I, when I was growing up, I didn't like it that much, but um, but I was influenced by it because my, they, my mom and dad would give vocal lessons, and they also uh, my mom taught piano, and um, my first instrument was accordion because they wanted me to be on the Lawrence Welk show. Is that right? <laughs> but I disappointed them because I chose to be like Elvis instead. So. I see. I see. <laughs> Accordion's a cool instrument. I've really it, come to like it. I do too. I like it now yeah, too. You know, yeah. I, I play it every New Year's Eve, just yeah. before New Year's. Really? So they want you to be on Lawrence yeah, Welk, yeah. and you didn't. It didn't happen, huh? It didn't happen. 
Hey, be careful, by the way, my friend, for your hand on hitting that mic there. Oh, just yeah. want to just give you a little caution. Okay. There. So, um, uh, piano was around your house. So, was that your first instrument then, the keyboards? Yeah, it was, you know, the accordion, and we had like an organ. We had a little wordless uh -huh. organ in our house, and, uh -huh. and, uh, and then, of course, we always had a piano. And um, and then my mom would use it to you know for when the students would come over to my house and uh -huh. they'd all play piano and sing. And mm. So it was pretty cool. When did guitar come along? Well, I, um, the guitar came when I saw Elvis, and uh. Uh, I he I saw him on T TV and and uh, my brother my older brother you know was buying his records, and I I heard. The first song I ever heard Elvis do was uh, Don't Be Cruel. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh -huh. and uh, I was hooked after that. I just thought, man, I got to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. And so then I, uh, I, I used to play for my junior high assemblies. And uh, I learned uh, the first song I actually learned on guitar wasn't an Elvis song. It was a adventure tune called Walk, Don't Run. Oh, I love that thing. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was cool, man. So, yeah, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, I, I, when that happened, I realized that when, as soon as I put my guitar on, all the girls liked me. Ooh. So, they didn't like it up to there with that accordion I, going? Ah, the oh. accordion shit didn't do didn't it. Didn't do it, <laughs> <laughs> The guitar oh, was a chick man, you know. Nice. <laughs> Even though I weighed about 200 pounds when I was in in uh, junior high. You did really? When yeah. You were a big guy. Yeah. Well, not quite that much, but probably 180. I, I weighed oh. more then than I do now. Okay. So. So when you start guitar, then was it acoustic or electric? Uh, you were doing the ventures, so I had, might I had, have been it was electric, electric guitar. Yeah, it was, it was made by a company called K. I had a K, K electric. Guitar, yeah. How many pickups do you have? There were three thing? of them on there. Shoot, I only had two. Yeah, God, that was it was really cool. I mean, I am. Um... <laughs> I'll be dang <dead> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I'll be dang. Well, shoot, all right then. And so then when did you start to uh, write songs? Um, the, the songwriting thing came probably about uh, when I, my first year in high school, I was in like the 10th grade, maybe the end of the ninth grade, in the 10th grade, and um, I wrote a song with this friend of mine. It was called "Up on a Hill," uh -huh. and uh, th there was a guy in Pocatello that had a little funky recording studio, and we went over and recorded that song. And 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 in those days, you could just go right over the radio station and talk him into playing your song on the radio. Oh. And so I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. I, I the day uh, a few hours before they played it, I. I was going to have a date with this girl that was really cool. She was like one of the popular girls in high school. And so I told him, I said, like at about 8.30, I'll be on a double date with this guy. We're going to have a Coke date where we go out and we just buy Cokes and drink them, you know, and, uh -huh. and uh, ride around in, car, in our car. And uh, I told, uh, I turned on the radio and about 8.30, my song came on. Really? And um, it really worked out well for me. Well, <laughs> the girl was like really impressed. I guess so. Because <laughs> you were what age? You said what? What you said you were about what age when you were doing that? When uh, that? When? Well, you were in high school. I, you say? Yeah, I think oh, I was a sophomore in high dang. school, so I was probably yeah, you know, yeah. sixteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot. Yeah. So you, maybe that gave you the bug to pursue all that music that you oh, later was, pursued, huh? That whole thing just kept me. I mean, that that, that was my big inspiration. Just like. You know, girls come and see me play, and I could be like Elvis and play guitar. You know, what I mean, 
life was good. You Excellent. Know? <laughs> boy, that's, boy, that's, well, that's Plus, a I good... was starting to make money. <laughs> well, that too, then. It was, that, it was that, awesome. that too. Well, yeah. Shoot. Well, I tell you, my friend, there's so much I can talk to you about. How about we have one of those Steve Eaton songs? Feel like giving us what one What would you like to hear? Yeah. I'll play. You were talking about the Hey, Mr. Dreamer album. Sure. I hope I got. Anyway, this is like the song on the Hey, Mr. Dreamer albums. It's called Hey, Mr. Dreamer. Yeah, that's a great song. I love this song. When I was a boy, I had a dream. A dream much bigger than the sky. Having a mind of my own I packed my bags and I bid my folks goodbye I got together with some friends from my hometown We started a band and we did some traveling around We were playing music folks love to hear For a song and dance and a friendly glass of beer Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on You're chasing your dreams and singing your songs Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on Strumming your life away with a dream and a song Saw an old friend I used to know from school He shook my hand, said, what you been up to? I said, oh, nothing but the same old thing I'm playing my music, chasing my dream He said, don't you think it's time that you're settling down? I said, maybe I will next time it all depends if my record's number one But until then, I guess I've just begun Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on You're chasing your dreams and singing your songs Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on Strumming your life away with a dream of song Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on. You're chasing your dreams and singing your songs. Hey, Mr. Dreamer, dream on. Strumming your life away with a dream and a song. catchy song. I couldn't help but sing it a little bit out of it. Every no, time that chorus comes by, it's just like, <laughs> I restrained myself in the second <laughs> one. Uh, okay, see, now that's interesting. I, I want to ask you a lot of uh, technical uh, questions about how you approach a song, but that song, here you, uh, as I said in there, you went down to L.A. 
to, to pursue things, to go make it big. This song is talking about that. And yet, what's interesting about it to me, Steve, is, is the message of it has a, a tone of caution. Mr. Dream or Dream On, you know, it's like uh, as you went into the, to the big wheel down there and you had great things happen for yourself. Um, and yet there was, there's still that, there's that reality in that song, you know? Do you usually write your lyrics or music first? Well, it, it goes both ways. I um, sometimes I'll, I'll just be like um, just nibbling on my guitar a little bit, you know, and I'll I'll just come across something that's really cool, and I, th I think, well, you know, um, I, I might be a cool idea. Like for instance, this thing that you and I uh -huh. we had this this lick that goes. been fiddling with that for about eight years <laughs> uh -huh. and all of a sudden again well I came over here just to tell you I found somebody new never mind what her name is she ain't nothing like you I don't know where it's going yet but anyway okay. it's just that kind of a thing so that was yeah. like the music uh -huh. before the lyric thing yeah and then I've had like uh, uh, songs where I just came up with like a, you know, the, you know, some kind of a hook first. And yeah. Hey Mr. Dreamer is one of those songs. I was thinking, Hey Mr. Dreamer, Dream On. And, and, and I, I actually got that from um, a TV show or something. I saw some, it was somebody who said, Hey Mr. Dreamer. There's, and I can't even remember where, where I saw it, but that's how that song came about. So I thought, man, I'm going to write a song about that. Okay, so those two came apart. I mean, this this riff and thing you just had going here yeah. is coming a whole different way than Hey, Mr. Dreamer. You came at it, it conceptually. It just, yeah, I just thought Hey, Mr. Dreamer, and I wrote a song around that. Came up those, you know, the Siglick and all of that. Okay, so you, can't, you had the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So some title. Okay, so that's a great title, Hey, Mr. Dreamer. Do you sometimes get great titles and and come at a song that way, like Hey, that'd be a great title. Yeah. You know, it's. it's I like to write. I, I like to write songs mostly um, if I come up with a really good hook or a really good premise. You know, I mean, I, uh -huh. I, I, I think about that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, but you know, I've, my experience is it's, has been it happens both ways. Sometimes I come up with these really good premises that I think are good premises uh -huh. by just playing, like you know, just like I say, playing my guitar, or piano, or something. Mm -hmm. And um, but I really like a good hook, and so. Uh, you know, uh, the kind of a the kind of a, a hook like "Never a Turn Unstoned," you know, kind of a, like <laughs> uh -huh. twisting things around. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, think, yeah. well, I never heard it that way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never yeah. a Turn Unstoned. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. Very As opposed cool. to never a stone, never the stone unturned. Yes, indeed. You know? Yes, indeed. Well, I'll be doing okay. Fascinating. Now, how do you remember? How do you keep track of these things? Like you had this riff you said you've had around for eight years. Do you record it or something? Yes, I, I have. I, I used to have this little uh, tape recorder that I would carry mm -hmm. around with me, and mm -hmm. I, I would just sit in front of it and put, you know, all my ideas down. Mm -hmm. When I was actually writing a lot back in the day, when I was really, really into business with both feet, um, I used to get up every morning. It was like exercise, and I'd get up and sit at the table, 
with a piece of paper and a pencil and my guitar, and I just write everything that would come to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I would never leave until I had about half the song done. I'd stay there sometimes for all day just working on half of the song. You were, a, was, were you a staff writer? I was. Company? I was. Okay, so that's yeah, that's another thing that you were even after the uh, your solo album. As a staff writer, would they sometimes come to you and say, "Steve, uh, could you write us uh, this type of song?" Or or did you nope. have free reign? They just let me they say there you go work. They gave me a room and I'd go into this room every day um, when I lived in LA mm -hmm. and I'd write and sometimes I, they, I, when I wasn't in L.A., I mean, I lived, I, I lived in L.A., but I also lived uh, in a little house up in Sky Forest, California. Mm -hmm. So I'd go up there, and it was, it was a tree house. Mm -hmm. and it was like a little tree house that I lived in that this, some guy built, and it was really cool, and my wife and I lived up there. And I'd just sit there all, all day long and just work on my songs, and when I'd come up with about three or four good ones that I thought they were ready, mm -hmm. and then I'd call up my, my publisher guy and, and uh, say, I'm ready, I got three of them, so let's uh, line up a demo date. So mm -hmm. you get all these great musicians and come in. we go into a really good studio, and um, i demo the tunes. And, they'd, and when we were finished with it, they sound like finished product. I mean, it'd be like... Radio, radio, ready. You know. Really, they'd have musicians. Yeah, I mean, on they, oh yeah, we had like Larry Carlton oh, would be playing on guitar, and we'd have Russ Kunkel on drums, oh, and Leland Sklar okay. on bass. You know, a nice devil. Yeah, I mean, God, <laughs> they, they, you know, they couldn't do anything wrong, and they never made any mistakes, and you know, it was just it was dream world, man. I, and, and I was getting uh, my draw was like three hundred fifty bucks a week, which uh -huh. killed her money, but I could live on it, you know. Can you remember the first song that got covered of yours? First song I got yeah. covered. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and how did you find out about it from your publisher? Yeah. What, so what was the song well, was that covered? It was um, um, the Carpenters. That that was a, your first cover. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All yeah. you get from love is a love song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I and how I got that going was um, I I was had been on Capitol Records. Yeah. Yeah. And then I lost my deal. Uh -huh. um, they didn't renew my option. And, uh, and so I was looking for another deal, and I'd already made all these demos and stuff. And um, so I, I, I took all you get, that song, All You Get From Love Is Love, mm -hmm. so I had it on a, on a reel-to-reel, -reel, like mm -hmm. a seven-and-a-half. And mm -hmm. I went over to meet the, the head of A&R. His name was Chuck K. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, yeah. And I was, went in there, and, and I said, hey, I, you know, they just, they just got off a, a deal with Capital, and I'm looking for another deal. I'd like to be on A&M. He says, well, I'll talk to you about this. I'm in the middle of something with um, working on another project with the Carpenters. I said, okay, well, he, he said, if you got something I can listen to, you can leave, leave me a tape. And I said, sure. And I left the tape with him. He says, when I get done with this project, I'll, I will, uh, you know, I'll give you a call and we'll you know, have a meeting and we'll see what we can do, you know. So he was doing that project with the Carpenters and, and somehow he listened to that tape while he was doing that that, that project with the Carpenters, and they needed one more song to complete the CD that they were working, well, it wasn't even a CD then, yeah. it was a record, they yeah. didn't have CDs in. And um, I didn't know it, but they, they listened to that song, he played it for them, and, and they liked it, and they recorded it, and they decided it was gonna be the single. Oh, jeez. And I, I, I knew nothing about that until it was out, and my- Until my, it was uh, out? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, it wasn't getting played everywhere yet, but it yeah, was just, yeah. it had just been released, they were playing it in the big cities. Well, you went in with that tape. You, you, you weren't a part of a publishing company at that point. It was just you. Just me. So you were your own publisher yep. in that situation. Yep. Well, gee, many Christmas. That's quite a story.
Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> pretty amazing. Well, hey, you feel like playing that song? Well, I'll play a little bit. Let's play that first cover that uh, you had. Like sailing on a sailing ship to nowhere. Love took over my heart like an ocean breeze. As seagulls fly, I knew that I was losing. Love was washed away with drifting tide. Well, it's a dirty old shame when all you get from love is a love song. And it's a dirty old shame when you have to take the blame for a love song. It's a dirty whole shame when you have to sign your name to a love song. Because the best love songs were written with a broken heart. And so on. And so on. <laughs> Gee, that is just a fantastic story. That is so amazing. So then later, as you began to get songs covered by the Righteous Brothers and Glenn Campbell, were you just going on your own with tapes? Uh, well, when that happened, all these all these times I was making demos, I was making demos for like two years, you know, with uh, the publisher was paying for, you know, have these yeah, demos yeah. made. And oh, so yeah, yeah, okay. And, yeah. and so uh, that was one of the demos that I made. I see. And, and but all these players that I was playing with, when they were done with me, they would they were working a sure. lot. They would go right up from my from my session to go play with Sonny and Cher yeah. or the Righteous Brothers or somebody, you know, Jeez. or Lee Greenwood or somebody. And yeah. and so they would go over and if they liked the song I was doing, they'd go to the next session and say, God, I was just with this guy from Pocatello, Idaho, yeah. and he wrote this really cool song. And so they were the ones that were like getting my songs cut by other people because they liked my stuff. All right. There's so many things to talk to you about. What would, if you had to give a piece of advice to a new songwriter or a veteran songwriter, what might that be? I, I, I would say, uh, I would say that if you, if you really, really, really have a passion for it and you really want to do it, you've got to learn everything you can learn about it and you've just got to work really hard on your instrument you've got to um, you got to find a figure out a vehicle in which to get your songs to other folks that can help you uh, you know make money with your songs like with me it was the carpenters you know I couldn't sell any of my songs because I wasn't a, a star I couldn't you know I, I hadn't sold any records but you got to figure out a way to get your music to people that that can sell the, your product. So find an artist that's happening today that's uh, that's very successful and get and get talk to their producers and talk to their label and and do everything you can to try to get your product to them. And and whenever you make a demo, make it as good as you can. It, even if it's just guitar and vocal. Always make sure your guitar isn't really 
in tune. Make sure the vocals are well. If you can't do the vocals yourself, get somebody else to do it. If you can't play the guitar well enough, get somebody else to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and every time you make a demo, I don't care if it's just real simple, make it as good as you possibly can. Make it real. You know. Speaking of making it as good as you possibly can, I have to compliment you so much. Um, first of all, people should go to steveeaton.net to learn all about this, these film scores. You've done all these different things. I'd love to talk to you just about how you do that. But first, I have to just say, on those albums you have on there that you did yourself, Wish You Were Here, I love that album. Oh, thank you. The variety of styles on there, from the opening song, it's like a gospel thing to ragdoll to the tune you just played did how did you do such a variety did you say hey I'm gonna do a variety of stuff or or did those songs just happen because you were inspired to do those styles um, you know I, every song is it has its own personality to it you know and um, if I wrote a song on guitar I was always writing songs on guitar and also on piano but mm -hmm. mostly on guitar Mm -hmm. um, I wrote All You Get From Love is a love song on piano, actually. Oh, but, I um, <laughs> so, if, so if I wrote a song on guitar, it always seemed to have the blues element in it for some reason. Uh-huh. Excuse me, if I wrote a song it, on the piano, it'd have a little, it'd still have the blues in it, but it'd be a little more on the jazz side, because I like to play those big, thick jazz chords and yeah. stuff. It's, and I had a big R&B influence when I was, when, yeah. before I went to Hollywood. I used to play with all these... Uh, I was in a black band. I was in a uh -huh. group of like I was the only oh, white guy in the band. You're, the whole album, the singing and stuff on here, is spectacular. And I'm going to quickly point out Ragdoll because we're winding right toward the end of the show. Sure. And I'm going to have you take us out a little music. Yeah, yeah. I have to comment, uh, make a few songwriter comments on this great song Ragdoll. The lyrics start out: She walks in the field that's just across the way and picks the flowers that brighten up her day. So we're in the present. She walks, she picks. Then you go, and the blue velvet cape that she wore around her neck, and the red in her cheeks gave a ragdoll effect. You moved to the past. You speak in the, in the same verse. It was so subtle and so sharp. I don't even know if you knew you were doing it. You just, maybe you just did it. But it's very advanced to me, very subtle songwriting. And uh, that means something coming from him. <laughs> and the, the last thing I'll say, and then you get that thing ready to play, buddy, is when you go to the chorus of that, you go, and the wind in the trees sings a sad. I knew I was going to hear sad song, but I didn't hear I heard sad, sad, sad song. That's what made what would have been a more normal line completely different. It's just so brilliant with what you do with that stuff. God, Play you, us uh, some uh, music. Steve Eaton, steveeaton.net. Thank you so much for coming. These shows never last long enough. She walks in the field that's just across the way and picks all the flowers that brighten up her day And the blue velvet cape That she wore around her neck And the red in her cheek 
gave a rat all a fan and the wind in the trees sang a sad 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 song and lie in my bed listening all night long oh wind in the trees sang a song just for me bring back the red dog to me oh how I long to have that woman by my side the happiness of yesterday damn near cost my pride Nothing worse than losing When you had everything to gain I've got to have that woman back Nothing will be the same And the wind in the trees Sing a sad, sad, sad song I lie in my bed Listening all night long Oh, wind in the trees Sing a song just for me Bring back the red door to me La, la beautiful and guess what good news the show's still going all right bonus time hey i read somewhere and i never like to go out on a show talking but we might do it they said if you were they asked you steve if you were put up in front of a firing squad and you could hear one song before <laughs> we take you out what would it be do you remember what you said answered i can't remember now <laughs> you answered moon river oh yeah that's right can you describe what it is about that song that you like so much? I, I don't know. You know, I mean, we all have our different sensitivities. You know, and there's some. You know, everybody ha has things that touch them off in a certain way. And I heard that song, and it it's just one of those songs. It's just the lyrics and the music just really work for me. You know, and yeah. I I get emotional every time I hear that song. It's, I love that song. I, it's, it's a Henry Mancini tune. It's a, probably one of the best songs I've ever read. To I think me, so, too. To yeah. me. I mean, I have a lot of songs I feel yeah. that way about, but that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to see how you would analyze it. What is it about that? That melody, that chord. Oh, it's, it's so it's cool. excellent. And, and so yeah. I thought, you know, I, when you asked me that question, I thought, well, I'm sitting here in front of a firing squad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the last thing I could do is sing Moon River. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> hurry up and get it over with. You know? See how easy my questions have been? Yeah. I haven't had any firing squad. This is a very friendly yeah. show. She's been through tough times. All right, well, shoot, let's see. What else can I go with with you? There's so much. Um, do you think songwriting is an inspiration or a discipline? 
for oh, you? Oh, yeah, it's definitely an inspiration. Okay. So because the inspiration is the only thing that makes you be disciplined. It's the only thing that makes you want to do it, you know? They come to you quickly? No. Sometimes well, they do. Yeah, sure, sometimes. Sometimes uh -huh. they do. But most of the time, I have to work at it. Uh-huh. And, and by work at it, then, you would mean like you had that riff for eight years? Yeah. And you remembered it. Um, well, then that's discipline too, I've because had other you have to stick with Yeah, I've with had it. other riffs that, you know, I mean, I just, they, they just work really fast and things came to me, but that one is just, I don't know why I struggle with it, but I, you know, because it, whatever I would come up with, it wouldn't seem like it, it, it was worthy of the lick of what I was playing. I, I want to make it really good, you know, and so all this, all the ideas I come up with are just like, man, it doesn't live up to the lick. I want it to be, it can, it's going to be a good song. Yeah, if yeah. it takes the rest of my life, I'm right. going to make that song. Right, because you know when it's good, you know when when it is good. Yeah. And you know when it's not there. Yeah. And when it's well, not there. At least I want to feel good about it. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we might be heading toward the end. So you want us to, I think we better play a little blues jam. Let's do that. Let's do that. You want to take off on the rhythm? Uh, you want me yeah. to lay the rhythm down? Shaken the floor. 